Thriving in Singleness, Episode 23. This is the Thriving in Singleness podcast, where it's not about surviving, but thriving in this chapter of your life. Here's your host, Tom DeLong. Hello and welcome to another episode of Thriving in Singleness. Today we have Paul DeArmit with us today. Paul, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good today. It's a wonderful Monday afternoon. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great Monday. Let's (laughs) knock another week out. Let's do this. Man, I appreciate you bearing with me. I'll, I'll admit I'm seven years into marriage, and I am still terrible at not necessarily time management. I think that could use some improvement. I do okay, but when it comes to being transparent about my schedule with my wife so that she understands what's going on so I don't come home from work, and then she's preparing a meal, putting a lot of work into it, and then I've got a podcast recording that I didn't tell her about, and i I really appreciate you uh, giving giving me a little little grace there on the time frame I had to work with because I had to make sure I, you know, at least have a little time to spend the meal with her and her and our daughter. So, yeah, hey, no thanks problem. so much that, on that. That's important to do. Trust me. You know, whenever you get together with family, it's important to spend time with them, regardless of how busy you are the rest of the time. You know, yeah. me personally, I, I'm single, but I got what seven aunts and uncles, and they all have. Uh, you know kids so i have a bunch of cousins and so i understand family time <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and so like paul dearmant like that's not a very common name is is do you know anybody no. else with the name paul dearmant well let's see there was my dad paul dearmant senior um and okay. also my half brother paul e dearmant as well so interesting that all right the, yeah that was interesting growing up it was especially interesting growing up especially because a, I didn't know at the time that he was my half brother. I just thought it was a weird coincidence that okay. he happened to be also called Paul Diarmid. Um, so that has been something that's been just flabbergasting for a lot of people. You know, I'm half Mexican. He is half Japanese. Uh, he's actually my older half brother. And at my dad's funeral, he came up and introduced himself to my pastor as Paul E. Diarmid and just completely flabbergasted my pastor because he was not prepared for this concept that there was another Paul E. Diarmid out there in the world. And <laughs> even to this day, he still likes to tell that story to people when he meets them. He's like, oh, let me tell you about Paul, and let me tell you about his half-brother named Paul and his dad named Paul. And it's just like, oh, what? goodness. <laughs> oh, wow. And so, so Paul, what kind of, what kind of work are you in? Um, I work in IT in uh, financial industry. I just moved there from healthcare industry last year during the pandemic. So that's oh, been man. an interesting transition as well. But yeah. uh, primarily I focus on automation, which depending on who you are, ha- either has a bad rap or a good rap because they're like, oh, look, jobs are going to be automated. Oh, dang it. <laughs> okay. So well, I mean, I that- feel like in a employment crisis right now, it's honestly more important than ever that we get more jobs automated because there's a there's a pretty serious shortage out there. Yeah, so that's what I do for my 99% of my day job. Um, just last week, I was actually involved in a hackathon at work as well, doing nice. essentially innovation work. And that was a long, draining three days of work. Let me tell you, you think, you know, you get done doing physical stuff, and you're like, oh, I'm tired. Being mentally exhausted after three days of constant stress is even more tiring sometimes. Hmm. 
That's wild. And so what what does a hackathon look like? Like, I mean, I've seen it on the social network, I think. Is it a lot like that or is it something different? Is well, it as I, exciting? I've never seen the social network, so I okay. can't I can't tell you that uh comparison to that. Uh is it exciting? Well, if you think of it exciting as a bunch of nerds standing around a table and silently coding and then yelling at each other <laughs> once in a while, then yes, that's exciting. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, but essentially, we get three days to come up with an innovative idea and break some of the normal rules and procedures that we do, obviously not doing anything illegal or using any uh, customer data, and try to create mm-hmm. a new innovative product that will help with with the company's work. And so we the theme this year was Hybrid X because, well, hybrid work, people are going to be working from home, from the you know the office and everything. And how, how what can we do to make that life simpler and easier for everyone? So... That's what we were tasked with, and that's what we had three days to come up with and have fun and spend way too many night long hours into the night doing coding. Oh, man. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, coding, that is that is just another level. It really is. It, it's just something I've always enjoyed doing, and the only reason I fell into it was because I was getting sick of doing the same task over and over and over at one of my jobs. And I was like, nope, I'm done. I don't want to sit here, click, 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 right-click, click, 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 done doing that. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, let, let, let's learn how to automate this because I can be doing something else with my time and other people can be doing other things with their time as well. Yeah. How old were you when you learned how to code? Uh, I was 22 when I finally really started learning how to code. So okay. I didn't really have a computer growing up. That was a luxury that came near the end of my high school career. So they were still pretty expensive. Well, they're still pretty expensive now, but even a basic computer was still pretty expensive, you know, when I was in high school. I only graduated in 2001. So it's not like I've, you know, had easy access to technology like some of the people I know who, you know, it's like, oh, look, it's five. They're getting their MacBook Pro plus their iPhone plus their iPad plus their AirPods. Yeah. And now they're set up for being five. I'm like, geez, <laughs> Louise. <laughs> oh, man. I can only imagine the long-term effects of being glued to a screen from five years old on. That's We're, yep. we're going to see that someday. I think many people could testify they're seeing that already. And that's that's kind of unfortunate. I say, you look at some of the studies already that are out there, they are seeing uh, some of that information coming back from people being addicted to their phones, especially in younger generations. It's a constant uh, hit. It's a constant dopamine hit back. It's a, it's that positive reinforcement loop. It's the same reason why people get addicted to other things, uh, whether it be drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, whatever. It's that same mm-hmm. dopamine cycle of reward cycle that you're getting by you know getting your phone. That's why your phone gives you all those lovely notifications. So and so said hi. So and so hit you know hit this that they liked it. So and so did this. You're like, oh, what did they do? I need to go back and look at my phone and see what who who who's giving me this information? Who's giving me this uh, pleasure through being liked on social media? Yeah, and I mean, I can I can honestly testify a little bit of myself falling victim to that. I do you know pay attention to those things and feel good about getting responses online and yeah. and things along that, but. I I remember life before the internet. I'm that old, and I'm also able to remember back in the good old days of MySpace. And I remember when I was like checking it a, a couple times in the day, and I felt 
really weird about this. I'm like, oh man, I'm obsessed. Like I'm doing this too much. And then here we are with our smartphones, easy yeah. access, just, you know, click in, click out, see what's going on. And, and it's just that immediate gratification. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how that is affecting these next generations. I mean, just like a, a brief experience of my own is with, um, like I used to do a bonfire like every year, like literal stacking wood, 20, 25 feet high. When I led Young Life, I had all these guys come out and help. We had a blast. We put it together and then lit it up and you get these like 80 foot flames and it was fantastic. And we get all our friends out and it was, it was a big deal. And I've recently started helping at my church youth group and I told the idea about my bonfire to to the youth pastor and i was like yo if you ever want to put the youth group on the map you know we could just do a bonfire put it (laughs) together with some of the youth and you know that'll be a pretty big deal he's like yes let's do it let's let's go big or go home so we got got 30 tons of slab wood piled it but somewhere between 25 and 30 feet high didn't get an official measurement but uh it was like pulling teeth to get these kids excited about coming out and helping build it and I'm not sure if it's part of that social media where they would rather just relax at home watching, you know, Netflix or just being on their phones. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I would, I hope that next year they're like, hey, let's do a bonfire. We'd love to build it and, and actually have some excitement behind it. I don't know. So I don't know if that's like related to it. That was uh, kind of like difficult building. It was pretty much their parents that came out and built it. I was like, geez, this is like, oh, man. And are you involved in in youth group yourself? Yeah, so I'm I'm a youth group leader. I've been that since oh geez, oh seven at least. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> I could go back and think. Uh, so youth group leader. Um, I'm currently a deacon at my church. I'm involved okay. with the worship team. I do all the live streaming for all the church services stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty involved out there quite a bit on a lot of. A lot of fronts. I keep myself busy, sometimes to my detriment at times, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And and I remember, like, I listened to your podcast recently. What What's your podcast called again? Uh, Use Your Words Podcast. Use Your Words it's, Podcast. So, yeah, yep. I listened to it. And, and hearing how you talked about some of your old youth group guys from, from you know, back in the day, and, and you felt like, not like a father, but kind of like that figure in their lives where you see them, you know, doing something you're super proud of them. And like, I can totally relate. Like when I was leading Young Life and I saw them in the school play, I felt so proud of my Young Life kids going out there. So it's funny you mentioned that in your podcast. And I was like, man, I totally know what it feels like. And it's so cool. And it's so rewarding when you can commit that time in that type of volunteer work. And now, Paul, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 38. 38. Man, it's yep. so awesome that God has been enabling you to to use your time in that. And now are and you are currently single? Is that right? Yep. That I am. And so what sure. what has God been teaching you in that singleness? There's been a lot of through it all. Now, and I did listen to you know your couple up first episodes like you asked um mm-hmm. and kind of went through that and i was like I, I can relate to some of this you know yeah one of the things you know that i think that was to my detriment i'll say this 
Uh, So I went to Cornerstone University, Christian campus, Christian college. And Uh there was a joke going around the campus, I think pretty much from day one, ring by spring or tuition back guaranteed. Uh, (laughs) That was like the big joke that always around campus. And, you know, the first year it wasn't so bad, but it as years went on, he's like, oh, everyone's kind of dating off, dating off, you know, going off and dating and getting engaged, getting married. And you feel, or at least I felt, you know, kind of sitting on the back end, like, what's wrong with me that I'm not the one getting out there getting married? What? What's? Why am I not like, oh, yeah, I got to I gotta be dating 24-7. And I think I, at first I was so focused on that that I wasn't able to get into the bigger picture of what God was doing for me. Uh, and that was not only allowing me to take the time and have a, a career that allowed me to then take some of uh, the resources I had and put it back into either my youth group kids or the various ministries I work with and spend time in getting better at my my craft, I guess you could say. When I say craft, I mean, either that be a work coding, um, how I uh, play music, you know, my skills for the worship team for, uh, streaming and everything. It just kind of investing in those times as well as investing back time with God himself. A lot of the time I was so focused probably until I would say my early, th- like 31, 32, I was so focused like, oh, okay, I got to find a girlfriend, got to find a girlfriend, got to find a girlfriend that I would stay up to like two, three, four in the morning be like, okay, I got to find a girlfriend. And then my work would suffer. My spiritual life would Mm. suffer. My friendships would suffer. And it came to the point eventually where I was like, you know what? This is crazy. This is, I'm devoting so much time and energy into this pursuit of something. If I put that into something else, like, oh, I don't know, God, maybe, (laughs) just maybe I'll get a, a a better return on investment, but also B, probably the fact that that's probably going to be something that's more impactful something i was thinking about today you know uh, we spend a lot of time chasing after these things that are in the here and now in this temporal temporary time where we are like okay we got to go after this for our job we got to go after this for you know this relationship we have to get the biggest and best item you know the newest phone the newest car the newest whatever and we take so much energy we take so much time to go right into that and we forget that is just here for maybe 100 years at most, you know, the, yeah. if we're lucky to live that long. And instead, we're like forgetting about what is eternal, our soul. How are we feeding it? How are we growing that relationship with God? How are we getting better every day? And we forget that in light of that immediate satisfaction of what we're getting, whether that be, you know, ordering the latest, like I said, latest device or going and hearing the latest concert or whatnot. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of that is enjoyable. I, I'm a tech person. I'm going to have yeah. a phone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's what it is. I enjoy going to concerts that. But what is my ultimate um, decider when it comes down to I'm either going to go to that concert or I'm going to spend time with, you know, working up with my youth group and helping some of the guys out with stuff? What ultimately comes a decision when I'm busy on Wednesday night, but hey, youth group is Wednesday night. Yeah, you know, what becomes my priority? And by kind of what I've been learning is what is my priority is where, A, my heart's going to go, and B, then that's also where God's going to say, look, you you followed me first. 
I'm going to kind of open up some doors for you and kind of see along the way. Now, that's not always a guaranteed thing. I'm not a prosperity gospel type person. I understand there's yeah. people out there like that. But there is that concept of, hey, if you are following after God, he has something for you. And he's just wanting to kind of reveal and show it to you. Be like, hey, cool. Come along. Let's go do this now. Oh, that's awesome, man. And have you have you gone through different stages in your singleness where you you know, you mentioned about you were struggling and, and discontent and then you transitioned into, you know, what can I use this time better for rather than mm-hmm. trying to pursue a girlfriend, but instead pursuing God, which is fantastic. And about when did when did God really change your heart around that and how did that affect your day to day? So where he started to kind of grab me in my attention in that, I would say I was like 31, 32. I don't remember the exact time. You know, that's what God started to convict me on that, okay. where I needed to start um, focusing on him more and deal with those things instead of trying to be like, hey, look, girlfriend or, you know, this relationship out here. And it, I want, I would love to say that, he, you know, he started grabbing my attention. And I immediately pivoted and said, okay, I'm going, I'm following. It wasn't that case. You know, it, unfortunately, I'm one of those people where I, you know, I take time to learn, unfortunately, at times. Yeah. <laughs> that could be yeah. a good or a bad thing. And so that started happening. And then at the same time, probably when I was about 33, my, I would say my mental health started declining. Um, not, not rapidly, too rapidly, but for, you know, it, it started getting where one of the things that I've always dealt with was, is depression. I shouldn't say was, is because that is still a thing that's still going to be a part of my life for the longest time. You know, holding your dad's hand when you're 14 and he passes away, that does something Mm -hmm. to you. You know, that, that's, that's going to leave a wound. It's going to leave a mark. And especially, um, when you're told by the rest of your family that, Hey, you're you're the man of the house now. You can't. You don't have time for crying and all this other stuff. It, and that leaves a a very deep wound. It left a deep wound in me uh, because I never got to grieve him properly. You know, that's how yeah. you know my half brother came into the story where he met my pastors because it was at his funeral. And so every year up until probably two three years ago, uh, the anniversary of his death and. Um, excuse me, between the anniversary of uh, his birthday and the anniversary of his death, I would go into a deep like spiral, depression-wise. A um, couple few years there, especially during the teenage years and in my early 30s, it was suicidal at times. So mm-hmm. it was very much, you know, a deep, dark pit for me. Uh, you know, definitely was not healthy mentally, spiritually, anywhere like that. Uh, but I would come out of that, you know, pit kind of around the anniversary of his death and it start getting better and I'd still, and I'd do better and everything like that. So where everything kind of came to a head was, it would have been 2000, end of 2007. Um, no, not 2007. Wow. I'm getting my years mixed up. 10 years. That's 10 <laughs> years too early. <laughs> uh, end, no of end of 2017. Um, me and I actually did have a girlfriend at the time, uh, and we had just broken up over actually over a fight over my dog, actually, because she's like, oh, well, man. if we ever continue this forward sort of deal, she's like, here's my conditions. The dog's going to be in the cage, like 24-7 to all these other things. I was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So we ended up getting into a fight, um, and, you know, because 
for me being a single guy, it had been just me and my dog since I got out mm-hmm. of college. So I was like, no, 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 no. So I was like, I understand you're not the biggest fan of dogs and that's okay. Uh, but we ended up breaking up over that and combined that with being in the time of year when I was naturally in a funk, it just led me deeper down the hole than I had ever been. And it took me having to a get mentally healthy. Um, and actually I, that's, that's a whole story in itself where I, I went through inpatient and outpatient uh, treatment where my pastor actually drove me up to the inpatient care to make sure I actually went into the hospital uh, it's just to make yeah. sure all that was happening. But it took me getting, I guess, mentally healthy before I could get spiritually healthy in a way. Because I was processing things, and this sounds weird, I was processing things completely wrong on an emotional level and in a, like a, a mental thought level first, which was impacting how I was thinking and what I was pursuing after at a spiritual level. And that was one of the things I had to learn was what am I putting my priorities in a mentally? And I translate that same kind of thought process down to what am I putting my priorities in spiritually? What am I focusing that energy? And I I would love to say, like I said, that this was something I, you know, grew up with and learned easily at a young age, but it's not, it's something I've only probably I'd say last four, three, four years have learned and started to actually be able to live with and be able to say, you know what? I am fine being single. You know, my buddy always asked me, he's like, so when are you ever going to find a girlfriend or a wife? I'm like, I may not. And that's fine. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I, and I talked to my buddy, um, Aaron, who's my co-host. I'm like, look, it's because I'm single. It's because I don't have these other commitments that, you know, when you were a teenager in youth group, I was able to spend extra money. I was able to, you know, spend the extra time with you guys and be able to continue to do what I did. I was like, if that's what it is, and I'm going to stay single for the rest of life. I was like, as long as I can have my dog at this point, I'm I'm pretty (laughs) content. I'm pretty happy, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things that I'm finding that, you know, some guys are very uncontent being single and some guys are, they're single, but like my buddy, he's fighting between that, trying to be content like he's like oh i know i should be content but he's like but i want this but i'm scared of going to that relationship and it, it's been yeah. uh interesting conversations having with him as he's been kind of growing through these stages of life and me going hey look here's where i am here's my mistakes i made don't screw it up you're younger yeah. you got some time to start correcting this ship now as well as to get your priorities right on who and what you're passionately following after. Because if you follow after those right things, this is from my experience, everything else just seems to almost like fall right into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so true. And it's it's just so encouraging to see how how God has, has just transformed your heart and you know, I, I would like to believe and and I can't declare myself a perfect person. You know, you've heard my story in my early episodes and, you know, I've I've said in other episodes before, I would like to believe that with what God taught me in the time between him 
pushing me to the breaking point that I surrendered and just gave it all to him. And I was 100% okay. Hey, if I'm single for the rest of my life, it's going to be all right. And like, I'm doing this podcast because I know God changed my heart and nobody can convince me otherwise. That's for sure. You know, even though God, it was in his timing for me to have that change of heart before meeting my wife and, you know, being able to start down that path of having a family. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope to believe that I can, if I were in that position, that I would be able to have the enthusiasm that, that you've developed in your heart. And man, it's so awesome to see that. And even in the midst of surrendering and trusting God in whatever direction you're going, what do you feel are like some of the biggest challenges that you face in that time? Even though, you know, I know you clearly trust God, you're totally comfortable with where he has you. I know there's challenges in, in whatever direction. I'll tell you, there's challenges in marriage. There's there's no doubt about that. There's challenges in me being able to schedule things and not wreck my <laughs> wife's plan to leave Emma with me to go to a small group. I kind of wrecked that for her this evening. But uh, what what do you consider some of the challenges you face in, in where you're at? Yeah, so I, and I'll admit this fully. You know, one of the biggest challenges is, well, A, I, this is probably one of the reasons why I try to keep busy as well, is it can be real easy to get lonely. And it, it yeah. you know, there's, there's one thing between, you know, being with the family, you always have someone around sort of deal, which is kind of why I, you know, I'm always kind of, on the weekends, at least with some of my extended family or some of my friends, just to make sure that I'm not sitting at home alone all the time, because it is so easy when, especially if you have uh, some mental health issues where mm-hmm. if you're just home alone to just isolate yourself completely. And as soon as you start isolating yourself, that can lead down to very uh, dangerous roads that can lead down to those roads of where either you're getting addicted to something, where that be something on the internet or uh, drugs or alcohol, or you're going down that road of no one likes me and you're lying to yourself essentially on saying that. And then you start going down that road of, well, world be better out without me. So staying, uh, not staying, but not being lonely is extremely hard because, you know, it's one thing it's like, especially as you get older, you know, at the younger ages, you know, when college age and that, it's like, oh, yeah, let's all hang out all the time, whatever. It's cool. But now, you know, my buddies are getting married or are married, are having, you know, one of my friends has his fifth kid already. And so I know he's busy. I can't just like yeah. pop over and be like, hey, let's let's chat. Let's have a drink or something like that. No, it's he's like, well, no, I got to take this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid somewhere else. I'm busy. My wife is out of work out of town for work right now it's like i I can't and i understand that so that is definitely one of those things and that's you know one of those things where i a i was like a i've got to have to have a dog with me Mm -hmm. you know some people are cat people whatever fine (laughs) you know whatever (laughs) whatever is your uh choice but it's some sort of animal companionship there's some sort of movement something going on in the house where you're not just always isolated and it forces you to do something because you have to take care of that other animal, that other creature that's living there. You can't just lay in bed all day on a day. Maybe when you wake up and you're like, yeah, I'm not doing anything today. Just it's like, Nope, I have to take the dog for a walk. I have to take the dog to get their food and do this and do that. It in a way kind of makes you even on those days where you don't want to uh, keep active in a way. 
So that mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I find just it's easy to be lonely. Second thing, it is easy uh, as a single guy, let's be honest here, um, you know, to get into the wrong things, the internet, pornography and that. It is really easy because there's no one here to hold you accountable. No one's looking at your yeah. internet records unless you let them. So mm-hmm. actually me, uh, my buddy Aaron, who's my co-host and uh, former co-host Josh, uh, we're on all, like all my computers, all my phones, all my tablets, all their phones or tablets that they choose to, you know, that that's, it's fully optional for them, but there's monitoring software so they can see exactly what I'm doing. You know, the, it being accountable, uh, yeah. is something that can be hard, especially when you're single and you're lonely and you know, things can happen. And you know, mm-hmm. that way, if they see something, they go, Hey, what's going on here? What, 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 what was this? Or what were you doing? You know? So we use ever accountable. So if we, like one of us even opens a link, uh, that yeah. it suspects is of uh, uh, ill repute, let's say, it goes ahead and it text messages the other people immediately. So it's not like they're looking at the report later. They're getting a message immediately like, hey, Paul just opens up. Wow. Uh, maybe go check with him, see what's going on, you know, talk with him, you know, sort of deal. So, and even if like I tried to disable the software or uninstall it, um, they would get the same notification. Hey, Paul just removed this from his computer. Maybe mm. talk with him. <laughs> yeah. You know, it- and what's that program called again? Ever Accountable. Ever Accountable. Free, free yep. advertising for Ever Accountable. I mean, <laughs> you know, I you know, for anything that's beneficial in that way, and that's so important. That's it's it's such a important part of of singleness and even marriage, where having that accountability and recognizing the need for that accountability is so important. And, yep. and I really appreciate you bringing it up because it's something that that a lot of people just want to kind of you know kind of shift shift under the rug and and not acknowledge that being a real struggle and you know and loneliness is is such a real thing you know i remember feeling that when when i was single and i i kept myself very busy which is fantastic but one thing that i've heard is that the only thing worst the only thing worse than being lonely is being married to someone that makes you feel lonely mm. because I'm very, you know, if you listen through my podcast, you know, I'm very pro marriage. I'm very pro relationship. I'm, <laughs> I'm very pro following God above any of those things and, and pursuing him with everything you got. And I really want people who listen to this to pursue him above the pursuit of marriage because a lot of people are going to have that backwards and they want marriage more than anything else. And then they end up getting married to someone that makes them feel lonely. And I can promise you that would be the worst thing. Like so much worse than being single is just being married to someone that's supposed to give some sort of completion, but, but in a way they make you feel even more lonely. And, and having community, you know, whether that's with with the youth group, with uh, you know, having having a pet, that's a huge thing. I've never even thought about like you know, pets are awesome, and like having yeah. having a dog. Like we don't have a dog, but I want to get a dog. Like dogs are great, you know. And that's it's important to have different aspects of of community. But that's it's so great that you have you know those different aspects going going for you and for you know speaking me as a married person how do you feel that married people can 
be a blessing to people who are single? So especially if you're, you know, you're friends with a single person, you know, you know, that's not always the case. You know, some married people only are friends with other married people. That happens. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. But like my my buddy, uh, Andy, me and him are good friends. He was actually one of my youth group leaders when I was in youth group. Uh, He's not much older than me. You know, he came in like right out of college sort of deal. But, you know, him and his wife, they have five kids, but yet he makes sure to check up on me every once in a while. You know, it's it's not like a whole, like, hey, how are you, you know, I know you have mental health issues, how are you doing? It's more like, hey, what are you doing this Saturday? What are you doing, you know, these things? And one of the things that he does is, like, when he has maybe family dinners or, you know, something like that with his extended family, he's like, hey, are you free this Saturday? Come on over. Include those single people in your life. Um, if you're married and you have the ability to, you know, it's not, it's not obviously saying like, oh, take them on vacation with you or anything. But if like you're having some dinner, a cookout, be like, hey, what are you doing? Want to bring something over? Come over and hang out just so that they feel like they're part of a community. Cause I love that when I get to do that with my, with my buddy. Cause it's yeah. like, oh, okay. Instead of just sitting here on a Saturday, I get to go and hang out with him and, you know, we'll do stuff. Like his kids have been, uh, my youth group kids now. So, uh, They'll be like, hey, we got a concert this this weekend. I'll go with him and check out their concert. You know, we'll hang out while also supporting the kids as well. So that's always been fun. So include your single friends if you're able to, because there's some things that you can do. Other things, especially if you know maybe uh, like what some of your single friends are having, maybe they've struggled with mental issues or maybe they feel lonely, especially now that we're coming into winter, there's no light. You know, people like me who have uh, depressive issues sometimes can struggle a little bit when there's less light. So we're taking your vitamin D or we're coping in our ways. Check in on them, especially if you know, like, it's an anniversary of something tragic that's happened to them. And maybe they have struggled with something. It doesn't have to be a big ordeal. It could be just a quick text message, a quick phone call, something like that, just to show that, hey, you're thinking about them, but also you care and it does, like I said, doesn't have to be like a five hour phone conversation it can be just something like, hey, thinking about you, what's going on, you know, if you need anything, let me know sort of deal. Um, those are been some of the most impactful things that I have seen from, you know, some of my friends who have been married and how they've impacted me with that over the years, especially as I have, uh, especially the past few years as I've learned and started dealing with and tackling some of my own mental health issues. Yeah. And does it does it feel weird at all for for you to hang out with a friend and his wife and friend and his family? Or is that just like, hey, I'm so stoked to be here and just hang out? No, it's it's great to be there. It's not weird at all. Uh, Maybe the first time it was a little weird, you know, because it's like, oh, look, here's my buddy, his wife. And they're like four kids as they're running around all crazy. But yeah. It's gotten to the point where it's kind of natural, where it's just an extension where even their youngest kid will come up and run up to me and give me a hug or, you know, tell me to pick him up or something like that. And whereas I don't have a family necessarily like that, it's I'm kind of integrated and grafted in a little bit to their own family in a slight way where I still get to interact and have that that um, closeness. Yeah. And that's something that I, I really try and focus on, not not just involving single friends in like, hey, coming out, come over and like hang out with, with me, my wife, my daughter. But I do try to be intentional about just just one-on-one even, just getting together with the guys 
and just spending time with them where it's easy to, it is it is very easy to be busy you know being married it's easy to feel the weight of of responsibility combined with obligation and even even a night that as a single person would feel like a free night obligation like just being around and being home there there feels like an obligation to that and and especially when i have a friend who is single who who reaches out to me about hanging out i make sure i'm intentional about making that happen so it is so speaking as a married person to to you being a single person and to all the all the listeners i say don't hesitate to reach out to your married friends that feel like they're too busy for you and say hey when's the time we can get together just us just hanging out it's totally okay for you to do that because it's it's so easy to get distracted and get so many things going on please please reach out to me hold me to it because i feel the personal personal responsibility to to follow through with somebody that is intentionally reaching out to me because it can yeah, often it can often feel as a youth leader i'm sure you've felt where you know you've invested your time into these kids and really made an effort to be part of their lives and then you know life changes but they're they're not reaching back out to you do you ever feel that way in some ways yeah and that is also just some of the kids that i know coming through the youth group you know i would love to say that every one of our kids by the time they graduate high school is you know saved and on their way to you know growing in christ um reality is sadly that that's not a that's not 100 percent case and true yeah you know i've heard from some of them afterwards you know through various things and some of them have gone on and done great things you know and those who go to college and that, I don't expect them to reach out all the time. But some who have mm-hmm. stayed around, we've hung out. You know, Aaron is a former one of my former youth group kids. You know, when yeah. it, which gets a little bit weird at times. I will admit, you know, because there's like a twelve year <laughs> age difference, but we're good friends um, yeah. on on things. But now that he's starting to grow and and do things, he's starting to learn and see some of these same things that I've learned as well. And he's like, "Wow, I can't believe that <laughs> life can be like this." Sometimes, like. Yeah, it could be a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, it back to your point where you were saying like, hey, you know, single guys don't feel, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to the married people, you know, married guys and say like, hey, can we book some time or whatever? It's I'll echo that. It, that's a true statement because it's so easy to get set into our own schedule of like, hey, it's Monday, I need to do this, 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 and this. Tuesday, yeah. same thing. Repeat, 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 and you know, it's the same. I'll say it's the same for single guys too. We can get really stuck in our own routine, our own schedule. I'll admit, part of me is like, yeah, I'm gonna stay single for the rest of my life. Part, uh, you know, because that's me. Where guys leave me, part of me, if I'm being honest, is also like, I kind of like my own routine as well. At this point, I've yeah. grown into it. Yeah, it's <laughs> you no, know, been what almost forty years of my life now. I've, you know, I've, I've now have kind of a set routine of how i'm doing things and that's not exactly the healthiest thing i would admit but that is part of it but it is one of those things that like it's human nature we get into that routine we just do the same thing over and over and over again you know that technology 
kind of exploits that in some of the things that it does as well. That's how they get us to always kind of check our phones all the time and everything. We, if you ever look, like I have an iPhone, I, you're able to look like how many times you picked up your phone over the course of a week to see like how often you looked at notifications and what apps you open. Like last yeah. week, I picked up my phone a total of 732 times. Wow. To respond to notifications. And I was like, that's a little eye opening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really but, is. And I use digital well being on my Android phone. And, you know, I have it set to go on do not disturb and black and white at 10 o'clock. It doesn't wake up until six yeah. o'clock, which is great. My wife set that up for me. But, but no, like the amount of time I spend on my phone is ridiculous. And it's, it is something that I really want to be working better on. But it's a habit we pick up. You know, it's it's one of those things. We hear a little ding. We hear a little vibrate. We go reach for our phone, look at it, go, oh, nope, no notification. That was just all in my head. You know, yeah. we get set in our ways, whether that's in technology or in relationships or in our daily routines. And sometimes we have to intentionally break out of that and say, hey, I haven't seen you in three weeks. Let's go grab lunch. Let's go grab dinner. Let's hang out, watch movies, do something and talk. So I agree. Be very intentional with that. If especially if it's someone maybe you haven't hung out with in a while, go like, "Hey, we haven't hung out a little bit. Let's let's go do something." Even if it's something, you know, just like like I said, go grabbing uh, dinner or something like that, just to catch up. Yeah. And now, is there any level of, of intimidation or anything that makes you hesitate to reach out to your married friends about just trying to get together and hang out one on one? Uh, just knowing, honestly, uh, just knowing how busy uh, some of them are at are at times. That being said, it's it's whenever I message them like, "Hey, want to hang out or something like that," I'm, I always do leave a open for them to kind of say, "No, I'm too busy right now." Say so like, "Hey, feel free to say no, but do you want to grab some dinner sometime?" And usually, I'd say about eighty percent of the time, something ends up happening out of it, and then the other twenty percent of the time, it's like, "Hey, things are a little crazy right now. Let's." at least get on the books for later, but it's not, it might be a few weeks out. Yeah. It's not an immediate sort of deal. And I can understand that, you know, they're, you know, married guys, especially with children, um, married people with children have a lot more responsibilities than I have. You know, it's, it's been interesting because where I work right now, I'm one of the only people on the team without any kids. So they're always like, Oh, I got to go pick up my kids. I'm like, have fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just, just going to go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that's been on your heart lately that we might not have touched on yet? I would, like I said, you know, going back, honestly, I think one of the biggest thing, at least for me being single, is that mm-hmm. loneliness, that mental health aspect, keeping yourself healthy, especially with COVID going on right now, this whole isolation thing going on. You're, so everyone's more yeah. isolated than normal. Um, if you do have, and I'll say this to both the single people and the married people out there, if you know someone who is single and has had a past where you know they have opened up to you about it and they have had a past of mental health issues, reach out to them, especially right now when mm-hmm. um, the sunlight going down. Make sure they're taking care of themselves mentally because uh, it is real easy with holidays because maybe they're not um, in a good relationship with maybe their parents or their family and they can't 
you know, enjoy the holidays with family and they're stressing out over it. That that is something that I've heard quite a bit from some of my friends. You know, they don't have good family relationships. They stress out over holidays over what they're going to do and why they're so lonely, why they're the only ones who aren't going to visit family. And it, you know, can hurt them. So if you know someone like that, um, reach out, make sure they're doing okay, make sure that they're uh, getting, you know, the proper nutrition, the proper rest. Uh, things that they need to do that. And then if they are needing help, you know, and gently, and I say gently, encourage them to seek professional help if you're not able to help them with anything, uh, whether it be counseling, therapy. Uh, encourage them to reach out to somewhere like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Heart uh, Heart Support. Are you familiar with that organization? No, I'm, f- no, I'm not familiar. Okay. So Heart Support is uh, an organization uh, dealing with mental health, and that's one of the big things they started with. They started with, uh, I don't know what music you listen to, but have you ever heard of a band called August Burns Red? Uh, Yes, of course. Okay. Jake Lurz, singer Mm -hmm. of August Burns Red. Okay. Not my style music, I'll admit. Okay. (laughs) But anyways, a few years ago, he created an organization called Heart Support which helps people with mental health. Now, originally they started only kind of being at like the various, you know, hard rock shows and everything and go in there and they had what was called like a support wall where people could ride on it and then get support from our people. Well, now they've taken that digitally. So you can go to Heart Heart Support's website, go on there and post like, hey, I'm having trouble with this. And someone from the Heart Support team uh, will actually try to respond back and try to, you know, obviously they're not licensed or anything like that, but they're trying to give yeah. you some encouragement to continue on. Um, and I'm actually working with them as well through this whole craziness as well. Uh, that's okay. been another one of my things that's been keeping me busy these past years. So I'm actually oh, in their wow. master class to learn how to reach out better through the walls in that um, and, and talk with people on a more uh, personal level to help them out with their mental health issues. So that's also been something. So encourage them to get resources and help from uh, you know multiple places wherever. Because uh, I'll admit, um, especially being a guy, uh, admitting that you have mental health issues is not the easiest thing in the world to do. I remember when I told my buddy Aaron that I needed help. It took me like 15 minutes of stuttering on Xbox Live Chat to finally get out the words, I need help. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't get those words out. There's a lot of stigma attached to it. And then especially for Christians, at least for me, uh, I'll say this for me, I I didn't feel that it was something that you could be a Christian and have mental health issues. Um, And it actually took, and I still say to this day, it was God intervening in this regard. Uh, So I was in the hospital, just gone through inpatient uh, admission. I was sitting in my room, kind of on the edge of the bed, kind of just rocking back and forth. Uh, not exactly mm-hmm. sure what I was doing there. I knew I was there, but I was like, I don't want to be here. It's that sort of deal. And my nurse that was admitting me, uh, she was filling out the paperwork and then she just put it aside. And she goes, I feel God is telling me right now that you need to hear this, that you can be a good Christian and have mental health issues. And then she went on and told me her own story of how she was a worship leader at her church and the mental, you know, the mental health issues that she has had through her life and how she has been dealing with it and getting better over time into that. And that was probably the jumpstart, the reassurance that I needed that I just because I was having these thoughts um, of suicide 
doesn't necessarily mean I was a bad Christian. It mean it means I needed help to get better. And then once yeah. I can get better, you know, other things would probably start being in play. But it wasn't you're a bad Christian because you have depression. And I think honestly, a lot of people need to hear that because even my own family, there's a lot of stigma. Um, when I went into inpatient, I told my mom I was actually going on a work trip. I she because I knew how she viewed this sort of stuff. And yeah. when I finally did tell her a few weeks later, she started crying and telling me I need to get off the medicine because it would, you know, keep me from being who I really am. I'm like, no, I need this medicine to get stabilized, to get better, to start learning how to heal properly. Um, and that's still kind of a big uh, division point, I guess you could say, for me and my mom is because she's very much anti all this uh, mental health uh, treatment. And she's like, oh, okay. just pray to God. Just pray to God. He'll make it better. I'm like, what do you think I've been doing since I was 15 years old? <laughs> yeah. And and I feel like a lot of what you said has already pretty much answered this question, but I would like to just bring it into a straightforward question and answer. So for people that are are struggling in that mental health space and haven't taken any steps to take care of like to to move in the right direction what is your recommendation to people that are struggling with that like what are the what are the steps they should be taking yep so one of the steps like if you're if you're dealing with you know any sort of mental health issue i'm i'm talking depression ocd um suicidal ideation which is the medical term for suicidal thoughts um anything like that a Get someone that you trust, that you know has your back. Whether they be single, married, who cares? Get them involved. Get them on board with helping. Because mental health, when not brought to life, when we try to deal with it on our own and just struggle on our own, it tends to fester. It tends to be like a, you know, think of it like a, what what they say, like an open wound that you never treat and you just kind of let it, the 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 deadness of it just spread. It is easy to spread because it's real hard to get treatment and get help on something that's a secret. It's the same with, this sounds horrible. I'm not doing a one-to-one comparison, but you know, like sin, sin that keeps spreading and growing worse and worse and worse when we don't let it be exposed to light, when we don't confess it um, and we don't get help for it. Um, I'm not saying depression is sin. I'm just saying they both kind of spread that same way. Mm -hmm. So get someone on board that you trust. And when I say you trust, that can be a friend, a family member. It could be a pastor. It could be someone. And let them know that, A, you're having trouble, but also invite them in and be honest with them. Because it's one thing for me to say, hey, Andy, I'm having trouble with uh, some issues with my mental health. And it's a whole other thing for me to actually tell him exactly what's going on, why I feel faithless why I feel empty inside, why I felt like killing myself. Those are two different conversations. One conversation is, okay, you're feeling a little blue. One conversation is you're struggling to not go into the kitchen right now and take a full bottle of pills to end it all. Mm. And then it's hard. It is really hard. It is really hard to be that open and vulnerable. It's scary. It, it's not something that I don't think comes naturally to anyone. 
you yeah. know, especially in American society where, you know, guys should be the hard ones and then we should figure out, no, screw that stuff. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I tried living that life for too long. No, I'm done with that. And it's one of those things of where find that someone. And then if they're not able to help you, which to be honest, let's be honest here, a lot of people are not equipped to handle or help people like you know, who are dealing with issues, especially severe, like suicidal ideation, stuff like that, you know, allow them if they're able to like, you know, if your friend allow them to do some research and come up with maybe some solutions. It was my pastor who researched, Hey, we probably need to get you to a psychiatric hospital and get you stabilized chemically. It, you know, for me, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he was the one who did the research and then, if you, it comes to conclusion between the talking between you, it's like, hey, yeah, maybe this is the way to go. Don't just be like, okay, I found you your hospital. You're good to go. Take the time and go with them. You know, sometimes being a, a friend like that requires sacrifice of, our, you know, your own time uh, to go and be like, okay, I'm going to drive you up to a hospital. You know, my pastor drove me up to a hospital. I told him on the way up, if he didn't drive me, I probably would not have gone. Because I wanted to jump out of his vehicle the entire time we were on the <laughs> interstate going to the hospital. I was scared. Yeah. I was I was really scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. But most of all, you know, be there for them and learn. And this sounds very counterintuitive. Learn when to say no. Learn where to set those boundaries. Don't let them just take up and abuse so much of your own time. Uh, someone who's doing with mental health. Because, to be honest, we will, I say we, you know, people who deal with mental health, especially if they're in a crisis type situation, uh, when I say crisis, that's more like that suicidal thought in that. Yeah. Um, they will take up as much time and energy of yours as they can. And it's not because they're being selfish. It's not because they're trying to damage you or hurt you. It's because they need help. They need answers and they feel hopeless and they're looking for something to give them that spark, that little, that little lifeline to hang on to, to stay with the rest of the world for another day. And when you're grasping at straws, you know, you see those old cartoons, you know, people just kind of like grasping in the air towards try to get to that cliff. That's what it's like. It's sometimes what that does is that will hurt the other person who's trying to help because it's going to take all their energy mentally, physically, emotionally. And you got to learn how to say at some point, say, you know what? I can't help you anymore. I need to refer you to someone else. You know, whether that's be, you know, a psychiatrist, um, a hospital, um, the suicide prevention hotline, you know, heart support, you know, somewhere else because they don't necessarily have the answer and 90 percent of us won't have the answer let's be honest <laughs> you know yeah it, it's a hard th it's a hard thing to deal with it would a buddy of yours comes out and says hey you know what and obviously they're not gonna be as calm as i am right now but they're like hey you know what i want to kill myself that initial gut reaction more likely is going to be like what do i do how do i help them how do i stop them from doing it where do i jump where do i do this and sometimes and this is unintentional completely you know, people, they want to help, but they're doing the wrong things when they want to help. It's they're, they're kind of indulging almost everything instead of saying, no, we need to get you that help. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you sharing that. That is some very valuable information. And, and I know that is 
something that there's some people that need to hear that. Uh, people that yeah. either are in that place or know somebody in that place. And I really appreciate you, you know, being being vulnerable enough to to be real and and share about what that was like and and what those signs are. And do you have a a verse that has been on your heart or something that you uh, would say is your favorite verse that you could share with us as we wrap it up here? Yes. So this is, um, and I especially come back to this one, especially anytime where maybe I'm thinking like, okay, who is, what is my identity? What, what am I called to do in life in that? And this is first uh, John three, starting verse one. See what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And just gives me that constant reminder that, you know what, I am a child of God. That is my eternal destiny, but that's also my eternal focus and what I should be focusing on constantly instead of what is temporal in the here and now right in front of me. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's so good. I appreciate you bringing that man. And for, for your podcast, where can people find that? And can you tell us what the name of that podcast is again? So our listeners can, can check it out. Yeah, so we're at UseYourWords. Uh, is the name of our podcast. Um, our website is useyourwords.cc. That's because .com was taken. Apparently, there was a game a few years ago called UseYourWords that all right. <laughs> I wasn't aware of. <laughs> um, we're available on all major podcast platforms, and we're always recording. Me and Aaron are enjoying the heck of it, and we're just <laughs> enjoying it. We're doing it honestly, more as a passion project between us than anything else. You know, we're not looking to monetize. We're just looking to have fun all the time. That's cool. That's the way to go, man. So, all right. Well, I really appreciate you joining me tonight. And uh, I just want to tell everybody out there, get out there and seize the day. Maximize every chapter in your life. We'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the Thriving in Singleness podcast. Look for new episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.